Hello and welcome to our University of Strathclyde podcast series, run out of the world-famous School of Education, right in the heart of the beautiful city of Glasgow in Scotland. We bring you a mix of meet and academic interviews, thought pieces, conversations and provocations on all things education, to give you a glimpse into our world-leading education research here at Strathclyde and of course to stimulate your questions and thinking around the meaning, purpose and practice of education in schools, in communities, and of course, in all our lives. Welcome to this new episode, this new podcast with the School of Education. And today I have the pleasure of having uh, Dr. Navan Gavanzer with me. Navan is a lecturer in the School of Education, and he has been willing to, <laughs> to be here with us. Uh, hello, Navan. Hello. Um, so thank you very much for, for having me. Oh, thank you for, <laughs> for being brave enough to be here, to be recorded. Um, so let's uh, start, Navan. And my first question is about literacy. I know that um, that's one of your interests. And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, how you approach literacy and how you see literacy in, the, um, in education. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so my particular area of uh, teaching and research is in uh, critical literacies. Um, and so the way that I approach that is, um, is, is through kind of the field of multiliteracies and a sociocultural theory um, of literacies. So ultimately it's about broadening the understanding of what counts as literacy. I think traditionally literacy has been reduced to you know gaining proficiency and competence in the technical aspects of reading and writing so in other words it's very language based it's very much based in print based texts um, and so there's a long tradition of reading and writing for for that kind of proficiency um, whereas i come from because i come from a social cultural um, perspective it, I see that as just one aspect of literacy, language, um, teaching and learning. And that actually the way we use language in context and how that's connected to issues of identity, access, diversity, power, um, those are the kinds of issues that we're, we're working with. And so literacy, I think, is conceived of as more than just the technical aspects, but also as a process of meaning making um, in both kind of deconstructing texts, um, as well as um, how we encode meaning when we're producing texts. I don't know if that answers your question or if that's um, a I think very academic <laughs> way. <laughs> I think Overly does. academic um, way. <laughs> um, you mentioned um, sociocultural theory and as you were talking about literacy, you mentioned topics such as like power and identity and access. So would you say that from this perspective, uh, would you say that literacy hinges on um, social justice as a philosophy of education as well? How do you uh, yeah. see like th this links, uh, the links between social justice and um, literacy? Uh, yeah, so so because critical literacies comes from, or at least draws quite heavily on 
kind of a tradition of critical pedagogy. Um, it is underpinned by a kind of social justice agenda. So when we're, I guess when we talk about identity, it's raising questions of, you know, when we're reading and writing, when we're um, looking at curriculum content, you know, so whose knowledge and whose stories get represented, um, whose identities make it into the curriculum, um, if we're talking, and, and how is that related to power, you know, so um, if we if we see that certain identities and ways of speaking, ways of communicating are privileged over others, what does that mean for for you know children and young people who step into the classroom with non-dominant forms of reading and writing or experiences? Um, do they see themselves in the curriculum? Is there space for them to 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 bring themselves and represent themselves? In that curriculum and what does that mean for meaning making um so there's like a there's a long kind of tradition of research that hasn't always made it into mainstream curriculums and you know kind of teaching and learning in general that that show us that you know when the cultures of learners so whether you're a primary school learner a high school learner or even in higher education um, when the cu cultures of our, our students are not um, represented in their institutions of learning, that there's an immediate hindrance to their capacity to learn um, because then they have to translate all the curriculum knowledge into, into their own, into the knowledge and the experiences and the kind of the reference points that they bring into the classroom. So critical literacies is really about unpacking well, what, what are the kinds of ideas that we allow to circulate in the formal classroom uh, spaces? And how do, we, how do we enable and value the kinds of experiences and identities and things that people actually bring to the classroom? Uh, I was um, thinking at the same time that um, you just mentioned that this is not a perspective that is often found in mainstream education, even though the, uh, the values behind it are values that to some extent we all share. Why do you think this is the case that um, this particular view of literacy and enacting education is not still um, present in mainstream education? Ah, so that's, <laughs> Sorry. that's a heavy question, um, <laughs> but, but, it's a, but it's a good question because um, I think you're right, despite the fact that, you know, um, if I'm thinking of, you know, Scotland specifically, where a lot of the policy is very progressive and, you know, there've been maybe more recent moves to, to engage in in inclusion and um, kind of rethinking the curriculum so that it serves um, young people or children and communities better. Um, but I guess what happens is that the moment you take up a critical approach to teaching and learning, it's it's labeled as risky teaching. You know, you're you're, you're actively confronting the social issues um, of your community or and and asking learners to raise questions 
about established traditions and established ways of thinking and doing and being in a community. You're asking them to problematize those things and to pick them apart to see how they work, to see how power works in context. Um, and so that that kind of that means that you're immediately moving from risky teaching into these uncomfortable conversations about who's included and who's not. Um, and when you realize that perhaps maybe kids in your classroom or you, even yourself as a teacher are is are being actively kind of excluded because of you know how systems of power work then it becomes very contentious that's the first thing second thing is that it's relatively messy work because we're problematizing not just you know what counts as knowledge so or we're not we're problematizing kind of the the curriculum content and what makes it into the content but we're also trying to problematize how we represent understanding. So typically we represent understanding through standardized testing, through you know, essays and um, print-based writing. So those genres and modes of representing understanding are so deeply entrenched that when we think of assessment, we think of, okay, well, what's the essay topic that I should use to assess whether my learners understand something or not? And so part of the critical literacy is employing like multimodality. It's well, how, what are the alternative ways for representing understanding? Um, and that might be through photography exercises that might be through um, designing um, multimodal texts, um, you know, working beyond just the print-based genres that education tends to overvalue. Um, and so it, so part of it is, you know, the messiness of how do we assess that? How do we know that what learners are doing? How do we recognize the, the sometimes really sophisticated work that young people do when they're producing, you know, genres that we tend to undervalue, like video uh, production? You know, kids mm -hmm. now have to produce TikTok videos and um, and and communicate online, and you know, they choreograph. Um, all kinds of dances and, you know, so how, how do we recognize the values, the meaning making values in that? Um, and how do we find the links between that and the curriculum knowledge that we're trying to teach? Yeah, it was a big question and, yeah. <laughs> and a complex answer because yes, um, we tend to see when we talk about um, critical literacy or curriculum or approaches informed by critical pedagogies, sometimes my perception is that these are alternative paradigms. So it's never the norm, uh, it's never the mainstream, so it's always, and of course, the, the issue here is that that paradigm will come to dismantle those power dynamics that are somehow reproduced by other um, competing paradigms or more powerful paradigms so that is powerful because they are they belong to hegemonic practices as it were. And in that messy context, um, how are teachers currently prepared to deal with uh, literacy based on your own work and your own work at the School of Education? Yeah, so um, 
I guess it's always it's always a tricky thing because you know there's this this idea of the access paradox, right? So that uh, so the student teachers that I work with in our PGDE English program, um, you know, have to navigate spaces that you know either support innovative and critical work or um, seek to reproduce. Um, I guess you know established ways of teaching and learning and the established texts and curriculums that are that have been at play for 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 a while, um, and so you know part of the program is trying to you know discuss with our students you know what does it mean to develop a disposition uh, and therefore a, an approach to teaching, um, and so part of the program is to kind of explore the range of approaches and strategies um, for, for, for building English language literacy and literature curriculums, and then constantly reflecting back on, okay, so, you know, if we include this particular story, what does that, uh, what, what identities or ideas or context does that give our learners access to? You know, what could I pair that up with? Um, how are they engaging with it? So are they just reading and then responding in a in a very particular way? So based on comprehension, or they, you know, do they have opportunities to move beyond comprehension to critique and um, you know formulate opinions about texts? Do they get to bring in um, texts um, that they're reading or engaging with outside of the classroom into the classroom? So program that we run is uh, is very much about trying to tap into the resources, the knowledge and experiences that our student teachers bring into the program and using that as a starting point for thinking about well, what kind of teacher do you want to be? What kind of social impact do you want to have? And how does that help you make kind of equitable and kind of just fair decisions about um, what kinds of practices you employ in the classroom. Um, and how so do they respond to that? Because here, I guess, um, the, uh, that approach places, of course, the students at the center of, 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 the, uh, of the learning experience. And how do they respond to that question of, okay, how do you want to do this yourself? And how, what kind of impact do you want to have on your future? students yeah um yes. so <laughs> so again it, it's i think it's a, always very tricky you know the pgde uh, is such a it's actually a very short year and it's very intense because there's a lot to cover in a, in a relatively short amount of time so keeping the perspective or, or being kind of aware that this is the program is really a first step into a lifelong career is is really important and mm -hmm. so I, I think we talk about that very often um, but what we, but so if I think of some of the examples from, from what students have been doing, um, over the past few years in the PGDE English, we've seen more and more students bring in kind of non-normative texts and asking questions about how do we do this given budgetary constraints, you know, so you, we know that, you know, you can step into a school and you can go, oh, I want to, um, decolonize the curriculum, or I, I want to uh, bring in more LGBT and queer inclusive texts. 
um, and schools just don't have the money for it. So we've, we've seen either online or in conversation or in class, how students draw on the things that they're reading um, and bring it into the classroom. So this might be, you know, online um, blogs or um, like freely available short stories and poetry. Um, we've, I've seen examples of students, you know, um, designing units about migration and the refugee experience and then getting their own kids to write um, like haikus under the same theme, you know, letters to refugees and asylum seekers. So again, this, this idea of engaging with the, the, the politics of our time and getting learners to actively participate in that. I think, I mean, that's the, it, it manifests in not just like big, the design of big units of work that our student teachers are, are designing, but also in these in the everyday experiences. So they're they're talking about oh you know they recognize that a, a a child in their class brought something in and use that as part of the classroom discussion, um, or they recognize that someone was being left out or that there was a perspective being left out. So they brought they actively sought something to help fill the gap, and it's those little everyday experiences that I think our students are, are, are employing already. And we can see it over placement. We can see it in, the, in, the, in our engagement in class during on-campus work. Um, and we can see it you know, when, when we chat to them again you know, during their probation year and beyond, they're designing phenomenal things and they're getting recognition for it. And that kind of innovation is 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 incredible because it's it's stuff that uh, that matters to them, but then it's also very evident in the kinds of work that they're sharing that was produced by the kids that they get to work with, you know. Um, and I think that's very powerful. So despite all the kind of systemic constraints um, that that our teachers and student teachers have to contend with, we can see these moments of real, really innovative and critical and powerful thought um, taking place. And that's very promising. Yeah, I bet it is because um, the classroom becomes this powerhouse where the learners are not just text readers, let's say, but they are text producers in their own right. And they engage with uh, meaning-making in all kinds of ways and not just um, like written text or written language, but as you mentioned before, perhaps other modes of, of um, encoding uh, meaning. And um, so far, we, well, we have talked about um, pre-service teachers, if you will. What do you think can be done in the context of Scottish education to enhance literacy in relation to in-service teachers, what kind of support do you think they might need to um, you know, improve education about literacy in particular? Hmm. So I'm a big, although it doesn't always come across because I think when I speak, I can sound very kind of um, theoretical. I can get caught up in the academic side of it. 
I'm, I'm a big advocate for, for learning through doing. And, um, and so it is all about praxis. It's about how the theory provides a lens through which to understand the world and what we're doing. And sometimes it works the other way around that we're doing things and we need to reflect on it to, to, to recognize well, what's actually happening here um, and how do I change that in order to make it more socially just, to be, make it more inclusive, um, to, to enhance the kind of literacy practice and, and well, the cognitive development um, and that kind of thing. So I think for, for in-service teachers, what, um, what I've been finding is looking, asking them to bring in examples of their own practice because a lot of that has, has a lot of value and there are teachers who are doing uh, some incredible things out there. Um, but it's also their, their starting point. Um, and we must, so I guess the idea then is to be careful that just like with our student teachers, we don't assume that they're not bringing anything into the, the teaching and learning experience. So, uh, and that we ourselves are not working from that kind of deficit model. It's about understanding what our teachers already doing and how do we build on that repertoire of practices that they're already engaging with. Um, but then there's that deep sense of critical reflexivity that needs to take place. So understanding that, you know, by, by for example, reading a short story in class and asking certain kinds of questions, we're either enabling or disabling diff uh, different meanings from being made, right? We're either enabling learners to, um, to interrogate and critique and build informed opinions about how texts work, um, or we're focusing on getting learners to recognize why texts are good, even when they're not good. Um, and so recognizing some of the limitations of our own practice helps us to then try and figure out ways to move beyond those limitations. Um, for in-service teachers, I think that's, that's been really helpful. So we use a series of critical questions, for example, um, about who's included, who's excluded, um, who gets represented, who gets misrepresented, who gets spoken for, um, who doesn't get to speak at all. Um, and ultimately, when you're looking at individual texts in the classroom, whose interests are served. And by, by directing those questions, both on the curriculum content that teachers have to teach, as well as their own practice, they can start to pinpoint, well, where are the gaps? Um, and, and, then, and then we work, work on from there. Um, but that, yeah, so there needs to be that kind of continuous professional development, but there needs to be a kind of a targeted professional development that really values the critical um, and, and doesn't see it as over-politicizing education. Um, and rather that, you know, education is political, whatever form it, shape, it takes. So let's, you know, if, if that's the case, then we need to be tackling it from a social justice perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking that um, as teachers work on this notion and develop this new understanding, drawing on that on practice, then they also need 
institutional support and policy that will allow them to make this uh, the new norm, let's say, or that will help them uh, sort of expand on these ideas so that it's not just you know, one isolated case in one school, but then mm. everyone else is doing something different, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just thinking, I'll be super quick, but I was just thinking of an example. So our, our students, so the PGDE English students have to do like an outdoor learning ex, um, activity every year. Um, and all, so the, the activity itself is, um, is about grappling with how to use critical literacy as a way of getting into decoloniality. And so we, you know, immediately that raises questions about, you know, uh, about how do we tackle issues of empire? How do we tackle, you know, issues of coloniality? Um, often there are issues around um, privilege and marginalization. You know, so these are very big kind of tough questions that we, we talk about. Um, and so we go out into Glasgow uh, and, and folks are, are asked to do a critical discourse analysis of a local artifact, but they're scaffolded through that process. So what is typically a research um, methodology is then reframed as a series of high school friendly activities for that get our student teachers to observe and deconstruct the artifact to use it as a prompt to write new pieces and so through a whole process of like reading, writing, speaking, doing, um, and, and collecting and producing texts, um, the students have to grapple with all of these, you know, these kind of tough meanings that are embedded in the text, you know, these emotions that come up as a result of these conversations. Um, and what we found is that because it's multimodal, the the kinds of texts that students are producing and collecting actually show us so that they're doing like incredibly sophisticated thinking and intellectual work. They're finding, you know, they're taking photographs that reveal new perspectives and new dynamics between the artifact, which is this big symbol of empire, and, you know, um, it being placed in the East End of Glasgow, which is historically um, historically poorer, and you know, whole, which house communities of low socioeconomic um, backgrounds, um, and although that's that's changing, they're revealing how how different systems of power work, and they're also using that. So through photography and through creative writing uh, and descriptive writing. They're asserting their identities. So, you know, we've had students uh, from diverse ethnic backgrounds, you know, write, um, write short pieces that speak back to, to empire. Um, we've, we've had students redesign the information block so that, you know, visitors could, um, can engage with the monument in more critical ways. Um, and then we've had students who pick up on kind of the queer and gender issues embedded in, in, in the monument itself. So again, we're starting to see how through a range of text productions, um, there's, there's a phenomenal amount of meaning and actual like intellectual work that, that, they're, that they're able to do. 
Um, and that just writes like writing an essay is maybe insufficient for, for representing the kind of process that they're going through. Um, and so that's like a, an example of how like the higher, the teacher education program is trying to grapple with alternative ways of meaning making, but it's also, these are activities that they can take into the classroom. And we're hoping to see that, you know, more and more kids are doing photographic essays and, you know, creating podcasts and, you know, in, in other words, creating texts that are powerful in different ways, but really allow them to assert themselves in different ways as well. Yeah, I was thinking about the word transformational because I would, I would like to be one of those student teachers or one of those students uh, enacting those texts and, um, and um, challenging or redefining some concepts or our own identities and um, so many aspects that will be triggered by writing, I don't know, a poem or taking a photograph and producing a photo essay based on one specific topic that is meaningful to me, even if it is like opening a can of worms, so to speak for others, but that makes it more, uh, a lot more uh, meaningful and relevant, I would say, um, yes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and that's how we find meaning and relevance in anything. And it's it's this idea of like negotiating meaning as opposed to maybe teaching that these are the meanings that we need to reproduce in order to get through an exam. Um, I mean, obviously it's also being very aware that we live in a system with standardized testing. So that's where that access paradox comes back into play. You know, mm. how do you, um, like the big question that we grapple with is, you know, what does English language literacy and literature education look like in a contemporary Scotland where, um, where there are issues of power, social issue, issues are at play uh, in both the kind of big P politics of, of the country and the planet, but also in the everyday interactions between learners. And so how do you enable learners to grapple with those things um, while still giving them access to the powerful ways of using language so that they can pass those exams and they can get access to higher education and college and internships and, you know, how to, to use language as a way to make their lives better later on, um, but in ways that are affirming to who they are, you know, so when, when student teachers and even the kids that they work with are producing really highly interesting texts that are written in Scots language and not the old Scots, but contemporary varieties of Scots that are circulating, then that's brilliant. Like, how do you, how do you learn to see the value in that? And how do you learn to assess that, to recognize that the, the real, the literacies and the meaning makings that's actually happening? Um, and what does that mean then for, allowing learners to produce multilingual texts and multimodal texts, you know? So there's, there's, there's a whole possible, like there's a world of new possibilities. Um, and what's brilliant is that every year our PGDE English students 
uh, take up the challenge. We get a lot of we get a lot of students who, uh, even in a variety of ways, start to experiment with these things. Um, and we're hoping that you know as time goes on, more and more students experimenting and seeing these values and exper uh, and furthering their own kind of professional development in these areas means that we'll have more and more teachers who feel confident to do that. Um, and that, you know, the, the, the teachers who are kind of already working in the system can will, will start to recognize if they haven't already that their, their own ideas and, and idea, well, ideas about how to innovate and make content relevant for all kinds of learners is actually really valuable and serves a powerful function in education, um, mm. despite yes. the standardized testing. Yes, I suppose that's um, that's a hope that we will share within the School of Education, uh, that we enable more and more teachers, student teachers to uh, engage in this kind of conversation, but also this kind of um, you know, like literacy as a performative and political act uh, mm. that will open so many windows and so many tools. Uh, Navan, it is time for us to <laughs> stop. <laughs> I guess we could carry on talking for hours on end. Uh, this is a fascinating topic uh, for all of us within the School of Education and beyond the School of Education, of course. Uh, thank you once again for your time and uh, for your generosity and um, that you continue the good work. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It was, yeah, a good start of conversation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is just the beginning. Agreed. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening in to our Strathclyde Education Podcast Series. We'll be back soon with another episode. <laughs>